welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory, a special Transfer Day edition coming to you this evening on Thursday night when the transfer window has slammed shut. It never closes. It always slams. So, Brett, before we get to this week's games, uh, let's talk a little bit about the transfer window. The Premier League net spend graphic I just saw, I don't know if it was uh, up to date as of you know the last couple of signings got made, said so the Premier League net spend was $1.3 billion. La Liga's net spend was $52 billion, and every other league of significance was in the green, selling primarily to the Premier League. So before we talk about this week's game of the Premier League, my question for you as a aficionado of world football, as someone who watches all of these leagues, all these games, can't ever stop watching or talking about it, uh, am I missing anything? Is every other league just a feeder league now for the Premier League? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, well, I mean, this was the running joke, right? When the actual Super League was going to come out, is that the sport already has one, and it's the Premier League. And we're starting to see, I mean, this, this was always coming with the TV revenue that the league has and the way that it just trumps every other league in the world, um, that this was eventually going to happen. And you're seeing players that are leaving basically Champions League football from clubs in lower leagues to come play for like West Ham or Fulham or any other name a team that's going to finish somewhere between 16th and 8th um, because the money's there. And so uh, it's, I don't know if it's good or bad yet. It's, it's one of those things where I think it probably will, is not a good sign for the health of the global game, but part of me looks at the way that like a team like Ajax or Lyon or whoever is going to be raking in these oversized transfer fees, which let's be honest, we don't know how much these fees are going to agents. Um, the useless appendages that are always part of these deals um, but it, it'll be interesting to see if the sport can innovate enough outside the Premier League. So when these clubs are clearing, you know, 200 million over three transfer windows from selling off two or three of their best players to Premier League club, how are they going to use utilize that money? Right? You know, is there a way that they can use that money to create market efficiencies? Whether it's they're getting way ahead of the curve in terms of athlete performance or building out like a, ne- a, a youth network and their youth performance training is just better than everybody else. And they create these systems like Southampton used to have this famed Academy where they're churning out players left and right. It seemed every other year that were ending up being premierly capable players or stars. Um, so I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know what it's going to turn out to, but it is quite clear that we are just finally seeing that there actually is a super league in existence and it's one that has not enforced in. Yeah, I know. It's 25 times the spend, yeah. the net spend of the next closest league, 25 times. Like this gap is just outrageous at this point. And you just made the excellent uh, point at the top there. You see players leaving Champions League football to come play and battle for like ninth or 10th of the Premier League because of the wages. And so like you hear that and then you look at like Cristiano Ronaldo and he's like crying and screaming about Champions League football, how he wants to leave United to go pursue it. Well, the problem, Cristiano, is you make six hundred, you know, thousand dollars a week or whatever crazy wage he's on. And so, as these players get paid more and more money, and as they want to make demands in the competition, there's only four spots in the Premier League. So it's extremely interesting to me to watch the migration to the league, to see the overall quality rise, and then 
filter it back through like our lens, how this is going to really affect gambling within the space. Because like now teams that are seven through 14 in the table, they could definitely beat teams that are third, fourth, fifth in the table on any given night. Like there's just so much variance in the style of play. The high press is in vogue. The quality is a little bit higher. And I think we're going to see more unpredictability in the Super League mas- masquerading as a domestic league. Yeah, I know. I mean, I agree. And it's, I think we talked about it um, a little bit last year is the parody this year is probably going to be greater than it's ever been. Um, it still looks like, you know, a team like City, um, who is supported by a sovereign wealth fund, is going to end up winning the league. Um, but the the thing is, is that I think more and more teams are going to get tripped up because of this, because the, the, the level of quality now is so high in the Premier League that there's just more talent. Like before the 14th or 15th place in the Premier League, you know, would probably be somewhere in the 60s or 70s in the world rankings, maybe. Now, a team like Everton, if you look at like the Deloitte financial power rankings, is like 20th, you know? Okay, uh, okay. throw like those West rankings team. out. Throw yeah. those rankings out. The Everton <laughs> that's 20th in ranking right that's now. That's just financial. That was before their Russian oligarch got kicked to the curb. Um, but it, it would be a team like West Ham, right? Like that team is going to probably finish. I mean, they're really not looking good this year. But anywhere between 8th and 14th, probably, you know, five, six years ago, the 8th or 14th place team in the Premier League would probably be somewhere in the top 50 of the t- of the clubs in the world, you know, behind most of the Champions League teams, you know, power teams in La Liga and France, et cetera, et cetera. You know, now West Ham's like probably the, I bet you we looked at 538. They're probably like the 20th or 25th best team in the world. Um, and that's like a struggling Premier League team now. So it's, yeah. it's really wild, like kind of what's happening. I, I, like I said, I, my hope is maybe this is just like true optimism bias is that these teams are going to take these massive sums of money that they're getting from these teams. Like I look at Benfica and the players that they've sold over the last few years. And it's like, you'd like to think Benfica would just then be able to somehow utilize the money they've got from Nunez and Diaz and Jao Felix and just like, basically use that money somehow, some way to create a, a, like a giant edge. And then they're going to start upsetting teams in, in the champions league, right? You know, whether it's going to be they're signing players on freeze, whether it's going to be their Academy just gets a huge influx of cash. They get the best coaches, the best personnel, the best data experts. They do some stuff with strategical things that um, using data that maybe soccer clubs aren't doing kind of like the NFL is slowly starting to figure out, but I don't know, man. I, I think what it's going to mean is we're going to see more wild shit when we do our betting, um, just because there's just more talent available for upsets. Yeah, and it really helps me appreciate like the very top of the league as well. So if the quality, is, you know, the mid middle of the table is now comparable to the top five in pretty much any other league, and Manchester City is still this much better than everybody, yeah. um, just shows you what a true like juggernaut they are, and so appreciate it while you're watching it guys because i think the whole quality of the league is rising and the top teams are still maintaining that gap because they just get better and better and better i mean it's hard to see in the champions league because a knockout tournament can always be fluky but yeah, manchester city is just so random. incredible yeah it's just so incredible week in week out to be delivering these performances we can get more to them later but anyway uh transfer windows closed for another year we'll do some futures next time we get together because this is the real time to actually talk about it but it was another fascinating window, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot of new faces and a lot of new places as we go through this week's games. Did you, uh, uh, did cool- you get your Wesley Fofana kit yet, or is that 
Well, you're gonna order that on Amazon tomorrow. When, when is that coming? I just want to know. I don't I know. Be, I want to be able to. I want to be able to text you congratulations, basically. Yeah, no, I just don't want to end up with a Obayang number nine and get the same like curse that he's gonna have stuck on my skin. Before I before I know it, I'll be like dropping my kids and unable to drive to school and all the basic things that I could do a week ago. And then as soon as you put a Chelsea number nine kid on, all that goes away. <laughs> the curse of the Chelsea number nine. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, we have a great schedule this week. I'm really excited for this week's games. We have a nice mix of quality games. And uh, obviously, we're going to get to your Everton here in a moment to talk about the Merseyside Derby. But not not the place yeah, you we're going to start say, this you week. You can't put quality games in the same sense as Everton. So meatballs, scrub it, rewind it, edit. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to talk about rewinding and scrubbing, can we get rid of my Manchester United takes from the first two shows? Because all of a sudden, they look like one of the hottest teams in the league. And that's where we're going to start. Manchester United, fifth at nine points. Arsenal, first at 15 points. Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Arsenal, plus 160, despite being five and five. They're looking at a plus number here. Manchester United, plus 170. The draw is plus 250. So odds makers are expecting an incredibly even matchup here. Uh, Arsenal, minus half a goal, plus 160. Manchester United, minus 205 to get a result against the Arsenals and have them drop against uh, drop their first points of the year. And if you like Arsenal to blow them out, which is something we talk about a lot, Arsenal minus a goal and a half, you get all the way up to plus 400 if you're brave enough to take that against the rising Red Devils. Uh, so three in a row for them, Brett. Are they really back? That's the question. Are we going to have to start calling him Eric 10 years? What do you think? Uh, I think hold off on the nicknames. Um I mean, anybody, we're recording this on Thursday night, so we're talking about the, the match today against Leicester. Um, about 40 minutes in, I texted a buddy, Leicester is ass. And then about 20 minutes after that, early in the second half, I said, correction, both these teams are ass. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I think we, this is very much like how soccer can lull you into a false sense of security over something has changed, Right. We watched this very like emotional, weird win at home against a Liverpool team that's kind of not all firing on all cylinders quite yet. You know, and then they get this sneak out this one-on win at Southampton. Southampton's not very good. Then they sneak out this one-on win against Leicester with it all like the XG numbers, the underlying numbers are about even. Um, and it's it's very not I wouldn't say fluky, but they're definitely riding a little bit hot on the variance train. And, you know, one nil wins are typically not signs of total dominance um, in the uh, uh, just in general. Ch Chelsea has a couple Champions League wins that would uh, disagree with that. Yeah, I will. Again, we just talked about Champions League being fluky. So I don't know. I'm not going to buy one of those are going to are all of a sudden going to be the true signs of dominance. But, you know, there, there's stuff that's better about United. Right. We talked about it last week. Erickson and Fernandez playing as eights just makes more sense. It makes them a little bit more fluid, but there's still really big gaps. Right back is still a giant weak point uh, with Dallow there and Juan Masaka kind of uh, deputizing under him. And then their front three is, you know, it's young. Rashford maybe has shown some signs playing centrally, but like Alanga is more of a defensive winger than he is creating anything in attack. Um, you know, Sancho has scored in both these matches and then gone on to do completely nothing after scoring the goals. 
Um, you know, Ronaldo is kind of like a super sub. I mean, you'll have takes on this, but how long is that going to last? Um, yeah, exactly. You, you know, Casemiro might might stabilize things a little bit, but you know, you could also maybe argue that he was Real Madrid's fourth best midfielder last year. Um, so, it's, which would have made him the best midfielder on United last year, except for uh, maybe. But that's you know that's such an incredibly low bar. I mean, uh, you're like basically a, a lizard could crawl over that bar. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not really all sold on it. I think we're, you know, we're seeing the results going, Oh, United are back, but the, the wins they've had are not super impressive. They could have just as easily, very easily been draws. And then we'd be sitting here going, you know, Eric 10 weeks again. So yeah. I, I think Arsenal is they're good. So I'm going to preface my, my launching off point here is Arsenal are good, but that team is going to have serious issues if Arteta takes Europa League seriously. But as a starting 11, do you think, and I'm going to ask you this, I'm not, I'm not actually trying to troll you. Do you think their starting 11 is currently better than Chelsea's right now? Yes, full, full 100%, 100%. Yeah, I mean, we're, well, well, full health is a whole different thing. I wouldn't know what full health looked like at Chelsea, so we haven't seen that, nor are we going to see it for quite some time with Conte's mm. injury and Kovacic constantly being out and then Reese James missing last week. So we Arsenal, we've seen their best 11. We haven't seen Chelsea's best, but I still, on current form, I mean, how would you argue against Arsenal? Like, Martinelli uh, is on a rich vein of form right now. We keep talking about Jesus and, and what he's doing. I still continue to be impressed with Xhaka in the back. Uh, but you're right. Like, I haven't seen a whole lot of their depth. Like, I haven't seen them having to get into rotation. I think we're going to start seeing it as European uh, play pick up. But for like, for me personally thus far, and, and it seems like you might be going the other way on this, Arsenal do not seem fraudulent to me when I watch them play. Um, like I know United took out Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to call them flat track bullies. I have to see Ten Hag stick to his guns and keep Maguire and Ronaldo on the bench to start to risk actually like wagering on a game. As long as McTominay and or Fred are still making an appearance, I also am not going to put my money down for him. I think Casemiro can nail uh, them to the bench. Like Mick Fred can be together, but it just won't be on the field. But I, I think Arsenal's is clearly better. I think they're clearly better. I like Jesus's brilliance, and I really like the build-up play that I've seen so far from. So, if I was sending you a text about this game, it would just be like the Ron Burgundy "I don't believe you" meme, where he starts sm- smoking in the <laughs> studio, and that's how I feel about United. I'm going to need to see United here to eat the whole wheel of cheese until I will lay a single dollar on them. And so, if I could get a tasty plus one sixty for a team that I think is in form for uh, a game. I do not think they will rotate because they know like this is one of my themes of this whole thing. Like they know how valuable these three points are every single time. And it's not to win the league title. It's to stay up for the champions league next year. Like three points in August counts the same as three points in May. We always give more credence to the three points in May because we have more visibility and line of sight to the consequence. But these five wins they just got on the on the trot to open the season are so incredibly valuable to them as they progress through the league. And so I don't expect um, I don't expect Arteta to like emphasize Europa. I think he's going to continue to try to get these three pointers in the Premier League so he can keep staying in the top four. He can keep his project going and they can keep recruiting. So I can't believe I'm getting a plus 160 when I don't believe in United, when I think he's going to emphasize these games. And as you're pointing out, their best 11 is clearly better than United's uh, 11 right now. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing that we 
um, you know, we have we have uh, gushed over Jesus, you know, the first couple podcasts and and really, you know, we're, we're truly seeing uh, and this is, you know, in your opening question, the trickle out effect of this financial might means like players like Jesus and Sterling are landing now at other Premier League clubs. And it's it's changing the balance of power in certain ways. You know, Sterling has been awesome for Chelsea, uh, saved your ass in a couple of matches there. Um, and Jesus has been absolutely revolutionary for Arsenal and in ways more than like the goal scoring is probably covering up with him, Martinelli and Saka. Part of the reason why like Granite Jaka and Lakonga can exist in a midfield and not have Arsenal get overrun is they are so good defensively. Like Jesus has been great in front of goal and he's uh, just an excellent, you know, technical player with lots of quality, even though his finishing gets railed on here and there. Um, but he is an, a fantastic presser without it. And Martinelli is the same way. And the weird part about what's going on now is we have talked a ton about Saka over the last year, and it's been a big you know, point in, in English soccer and English journalism. You know, how good is he going to be? Is Arsenal's kind of new up and coming star. Martinelli has left him as a prospect, I think, at this point. And I, don't even, I yeah. think it's probably like a, a slight against Martinelli to call him a, pro, a prospect. He's just a great player, and he's totally left Saka in the pecking order at Arsenal. So this yep. is like a huge development. The problem is, is that like Nketia and Emil Smith-Rowe are the guys that are going to be first up off the bench if these guys miss time or they have to rotate out, and that's a huge drop-off. Um, but yeah, this, this front three is really, really good on both sides of the ball, and I'm with you. You're getting plus money for, uh, for this team, which as long as there's no rotation weirdness going on, is clearly better than United. I don't care if it's at Old Trafford or not. Like, I'm going to take that plus 160 all day long for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been plus 260 three games ago. And so you're getting, yeah. to me, like tremendous value. Uh, I'm sorry, it would have been minus 160. Yeah, minus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so for my prop, I'm going over two and a half goals and minus 140. Uh, Arsenal has had at least three goals in the last four games. And I think they're going to take it to Manchester United. I do not think Manchester United at this stage, I've not seen enough to think they are good enough to dictate how this game is going to go. And so I think Arsenal is going to dictate the pace. I like both teams to have a chance on goal, but I think Arsenal is going to get at least two. Plus, I simply don't want to live in a world where Manchester United keeps three clean sheets in a row. So I assume there's going to be goals in this game and I want the over. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of going in the same vein as you. I'm just going to start copying your picks so I can't lose you in five point anymore. Just a few draws. Um, be nice <laughs> to break I, your streak. Uh, yeah, uh, as you sip your beer. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, but I want to go a different vein. I, I do believe there's going to be goals, and I'm going to back Jesus. He has been so, so good. Um, it's so cool in a way to see these guys dominate outside the city machine because it, it both makes you appreciate how many great players were on city um, and how great these guys are individually when they do their solo albums now. And he is still plus money as an anytime goal scorer and United has shored up a little bit defensively. The attack is really the thing that we're going to probably come back to over and over again with United as we go forward. Um, but Jesus at plus one thirty-five, he's basically averaging 0.7 expected goals a match at this point. Uh, I think he's got four over four shots a match. He's clearly like their guy in attack. Um, and I just think that United is just riding a little bit of a, a, a little crest with some lucky 
uh, some lucky results. And I, I think this could be a two or three goal match if they're not careful um, for Arsenal scoring two or three goals. And Jesus is just bound to get one of those. So plus 135, I think it's a good, good, good value. I mean, I can't, I can't fade any Jesus thing right now. Like if that's where you're backing your money, I, I, I can't decide if I'm going to take it or not, but it seems like a good bet to me because there's not really a bad bet on him at the moment. Uh, all right. Well, that game's going to be really fun and it's going to be really telling for both sides. That game is uh, the lone primary, like big matchup on Sunday. And so it's going to have lots of eyes on it and, you know, I'll have two of them myself. Uh, but let's go to another game that's going to have lots of eyes on it because it always does. Always a tense one. Um, and you're in your favorite neck of the woods up in Liverpool. We're talking about the Merseyside Derby. Everton, 17th at three points. Liverpool, 6th at eight points. Saturday at 7.30 a.m. I think they play this thing early to try to limit the drinking, but I have a pretty good feeling they get to work. Uh, Liverpool minus 250, Everton plus 700. The draw is plus 400. Liverpool minus a goal and a half is plus 100. Everton is minus 140. So serious question, Brett. I know it sounds like I'm taking the piss, but serious question. Is Frank Lampard a top five soccer player employed by Everton at the moment? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, they tweeted out Dwight McNeil's defensive stats after the last match because that was like the biggest thing that they could go to. <laughs> and that's really not what you want on your $30 million winger um, is to see basically how many pressures he's had. So I don't well, know. Well, well, luckily they have a $100 million winger, according to them, on the other <laughs> side. I mean, they're not selling Gordon for a set less than that. Tony Gordon is tearing it up right now, though. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not great. I I don't know. I There's so many things I could say about Everton right now, and they just make me sad. But, yeah, to answer your question, I don't know. Frank threw it on. He's probably their best midfielder. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, Tom Davies, what do you do out there? I just want to know. Some stats person, tell me what Tom Davies does. Um, yeah, I, I, there, it's just not, it's not good. You know, they're, they're trying to kind of revisit, um, past glory days under Marco Silver by bringing in Idris Gay at the deadline. Um, I think Andre Gones shipped out to Lille. So they're, they're just shuffling the deck tears, deck tears on the Titanic. If you look at their XG, it's, it's basically the bottom four teams in the league are, as you can probably guess, the two, <laughs> the two obvious ones are going to be Bournemouth and Forest. And then right there, Leicester and Everton. Um, so I think this is going to be another nasty relegation battle for them. The talent is just not there. They're riding kind of a Tony Gordon hot streak in front of goal, um, which is just a weird sentence to say out loud. I don't know what to make of that. Um, so Liverpool is, again, looking like a team that's like wounded a little bit here. It is at Goodison, but they're getting plus money to win by two goals. This attack is still great. Most style is still great. Firmino has been on fire. Um, I mean, Luis Diaz is probably one of my most enjoyable players to watch in the Premier League right now. Um, and do you trust Everton to get a result? Like, I, I no. don't. Oh, hell uh, no. So, no. I, you know, and, and that's the thing. Anytime I, I, we talk about this, and it's not like anybody should be listening to my advice at this point, but usually when you take a spread to cover, you want some win equity. I just don't see the win equity here. I see maybe some, you know, you play this, sim simulate this game out a thousand times, you're going to get some Everton draws pretty heavy in there. 
but how much win equity do they really have? How many scenarios do you see Everton beating Liverpool unless Nat Phillips is starting to get? <laughs> no, no, hell no. So Liverpool's banged in 11 goals since we recorded a week ago. I mean, think about that. They banged in 11 goals since our last uh, episode. Our episode wasn't, wasn't a year ago. They now have the same goal differentials, differential as Arsenal, a team we just spent a good seven or eight minutes gushing about what great form they're in after like crapping on Liverpool for the first couple of weeks. And now they're at the same GD. It's a wild swing. Uh, they still miss the hell out of Thiago, but it doesn't matter when they only have to protect nine goal leads. I'm pretty sure they could do that without them. Um, they played a tremendous game or I'm sorry. It was a tremendous game versus Newcastle. I'm not sure Liverpool played a tremendous game, but it was super enjoyable to watch. It was full of quality and drama and a winner and a controversial eighth minute of extra time. And it really felt to me like a season changer for Liverpool. Like if, if they don't get a result there, that's one of those games where, um, you know, they kind of hang their head or say, at least we put up a good fight. It resets their level to somebody who's going to be fighting for a champions league place to like, no, we just banged out nine and now we dug deep and got a win against a super quality Newcastle team in the 98th minute of play. Like we could still do this. We could still take on city. Uh, so that's how it felt to me from a narrative perspective. It's really nice to see Alexander Arnold uh, already in midseason form, you know, crazy midfield giveaway, lazy defending, giving up a goal to Newcastle. He's right on schedule. Uh, but the rest of the <laughs> little shade, but the, the rest of the teammates are now joining him, shaking off the early season and taking full flight again. They won't be fully back until Thiago returns, but they don't need to be against this sorry ass Everton team. So I can't believe I'm getting a plus number or basically even number, even money at plus 100 uh, for them to win by two goals. And so give me that. And then for my prop, give me a good team to do a good thing taking home a clean sheet win against a super bad Everton team at plus 125. Yeah. I mean, there's just no faulting the logic there. Um, you know, one of the things that I I've been, you know, really impressed with is this is clearly going to be a different Liverpool team, but they're still going to be at a very high level this year. In last year with Diago and Fabinho, we talked about it over and over again. I was a broken record about how it, it changes the dynamic. They control games better. They shut games down. Um, this is more like we're going to blow the doors off teams. You know, we're going to score two, three goals a match to get a win, not get up one Oh, and shut everything down. Um, and so to that, uh, you know, Darwin and Dunez is going to be back. The red card is suspensions over. I, I made a decree that I would take him as long as he was plus money as an anytime goal scorer, given his insane shooting numbers. And now he's going to play Everton, who despite playing a back three, still cannot defend at all. Um, and as much as I wanted this to be a Roberto Firmino appreciation prop bet, if Nunez is going to be in the lineup, he's plus 110 as an anytime goal scorer. That just seems really hard to pass up. They're going to put goals past Everton. He, when he has been on the pitch, he has been a shock producing machine. Um, and part of that is because of the boy that you just threw shade at, Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's weird. It's almost like your favorite club employs a right back that you want to be like the England starlet right on the right side. Um, but no, I, I think it's going to be a shot fest for Nunez if he's in starting 11. Uh, I would amend that if Firmino does start to Firmino at plus 125 um, because he has just been on fire and he was really good last year. And we kind of really didn't talk about it, but his numbers were great. He is aging very well. Um, 
it, it, usually we're seeing players strikers kind of morph into more midfielding midfield attackers when they age uh, Firmino still producing shots and goals. And that's really cool. Even though that was never his full thing when even at his, his peak. So plus one twenty five for him plus one ten for Nunez kind of depends who starts. Um, I, I'm going to take either one. Yeah, depending who starts is a great point, particularly with Europe um, on the horizon for all these teams. So, oh, yeah, Champions important. League next week, baby. That's right. So it's an important note for everybody. Uh, what Brett's saying is absolutely correct. Make sure, and I, I say this almost every week, make sure you check the lineup. So particularly this week, there hasn't been a whole lot of incentive for rotation uh, in the month of August. But now that we're in September, Champions League starts Tuesday. The top teams are going to at least consider some rotation. So make sure you check those lineups before you place your bets. So with that word of caution, we're going to go to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with a lot more gas. All right, we are back and heading down to Tottenham. Third at 11 points versus Fulham, eighth at eight points, Saturday at 10 a.m. Spurs are minus 215. Fulham is plus 600. The draw is plus 350. Spurs are minus a goal and a half are plus 120. Fulham is minus 165 in that scenario. So, Brett, I was surprised at the midweek game for the Spurs against West Ham as I thought uh, Meatball's beloved Hammers uh, had been struggling coming into the match and Spurs had continued to impress me, but they really outplayed Spurs midweek. And it took a moment of brilliance from Kulishevsky, not his first this season, not his last. It's a real creativity from Harry Kane driving this low cross on the run into this just like mass of bodies that were all trundling towards the net. And it just kind of like, you know, pushed in uh, almost like a mosh pit in a concert. And that was the only way they even got on the score sheet midweek. So while I thought the Hammers uh, could have had two or three in that game and the Spurs got the result, but I I thought the Hammers were the better team. So coming back home, I think the Spurs have what it takes um, to get another win here potentially, but they spooked me enough that I'm going to swerve from an early season hypothesis that they are going to route any like lower team they play. Because I think I think Fulham is plucky. I think they're playing with a lot of verve and energy right now. And I thought, to your point earlier about Arsenal, that Spurs look a little tired. Like they could use some rotation. Like they're playing the same guys over and over again. And then you could use a break. And as we were just talking about before the break, Champions League's coming up. So of all the top teams uh, that I think could be hurt by rotation this week, I think Tottenham's at the top of the list. So believe it or not, I'm actually going to take Fulham plus 1.5 goals. So it completely against my theory at only minus 165 to keep it close with the Spurs this week. Whoa. What is Marco Silva has you on the payroll? Is this PR flack? What's going on here? Um, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what to think about Fulham. Like they're, they confuse me because uh, Silva had this thing at Everton too, where they, they've struggled to beat top six sides. But he has that, like, you know, pressing system that's pretty solid defensively that, like, kind of kept him in a lot of matches against the top six. Um, I think Mitrovic is really good. I think he he's physically overpowers people. He gets a lot of good shots off. But the other thing is they've been spending a lot on players, and the players they've been spending on aren't good. So that confuses me because we have Andres Pereira, Daniel James, this, continuing to go for big transfer fees now. I don't understand this. Uh, I I think this was a loan this time, but he keeps moving around as like a desired player, which I don't understand. 
Um, you know, Bobby Dickerdorfer Reed is probably their second best attacker. Um, not words that you really want to hear when you're placing money on Fulham. Um, but I, yeah, I, there's something about Spurs and I can't put my finger on it. That is concerning me. And a big one is for sure when their midfield goes from Benton to whoever's behind him, Basuma now it used to be obviously Harry Winks, et cetera, <clears throat> that whole cast that's kind of been showing the door their their drop in midfield quality is huge. Ben Court doesn't do a lot of stuff that make you go, oh my God, this guy's the best midfielder forever, ever. Like he's not Thiago where you watch a match and you can see a non-school scoring midfielder like control a match. Um, but he does a lot of really good stuff. And him and Hoybeer are really good, hardworking tandem. And I think if one of them misses, even though Basuma's in the pitch are in the fold now, I don't really think that they're going to be quite as potent because that double pivot and Conte system is massively important. And then when you kind of couple that in with the fact that we, we call it being washed last year, jokingly with son, but son is like full on transitioning into pure poacher playing out in the wing. He's not doing a lot of defensive stuff. He's not doing as much wingery stuff anymore as like getting the ball up the field and into the box. He's basically getting on the end of shots and he did it awesome last year. He won the goal. He tied for the golden boot. It was great. But I think we're starting to see him. Some of the things that he used to do really well that made him a world destroying force get channeled into just a very kind of one dimensional player. And the thing that's been picking it up is our boy Kulishevsky. He has been really good and really fun to watch. So for the match itself, my blackness on Spurs makes them makes me go for the draw. Plus 350. I think mm. Fulham can hang in there and get a result. Uh, definitely one out of every three matches. Um, and then for my prop, I'm I'm gonna ask you this, Toby. I got you like to throw questions at me. I'm gonna throw you at one. Who do you think, given all the attacking firepower, the big Richarlison transfer fee, who do you think? is leading the Spurs in shots created leading the Spurs and carries into the penalty area and second on the team and passes into the penalty area. I'll give you a hint. We just mentioned it. Oh, it's Kulishevsky. It's Kulishevsky. Yeah. yeah. So the, the third member of the trio is actually the one that's been really producing a lot of creative. Oomph. Um, so he's plus 200 for an assist. And I love that bet. They're going to score against Fulham. It's going to be, maybe they're not going to get up to two or three, but they'll, they'll get one for sure. And I think he's going to be, he's got a great chance with some of these underlying numbers, shot creating actions with carries into the penalty area, with passes in the penalty area to be the guy that, that provides the ball for that final goal. Yeah. Well, we don't employ a fact checker as uh, though we definitely should, but I think Kulishevsky might be the leading assist player in the premier league since February of last year. Uh, so, I mean, He's generating so much creative action. Uh, he's obviously got a poacher and son. And enjoy your uh, goals that are going to be raining in from Sun now. Now that you call him Wash, <laughs> I think after you called him Wash last year, he scored 17 times after that. He did. So, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure. You know, that, we need a fact checker for that shit as well. My yeah. my anti curse comments. Yeah, you're you're welcome, Spurs fans. Uh, so I like that bet. I mean, I he's kind of like this year's Aaron Ramsdale, like the guy we on a random team that we fall in love with. And then we talk about all the time. That was uh Ramsdale with Arsenal last year. I think it's Kulishevsky this year. Like he's just one of our guys and I love watching him. He's just so smooth. Like even that goal that I was just talking about with Kane, 
uh, or I was comparing it to a mosh pit, and he just banged it off the bodies. Kulishevsky like sucked the entire defense into him, slipped the pass out to Harry, who was running off his shoulder, and created the action out of nothingness. Like he's he's wonderful. He's a great player to watch, and he gives me help hope for um, a player we're about to discuss on Chelsea, who also was somewhat of a washout at Juve, came over in an unheralded transfer, and I'm hoping it makes the same difference that Kulishevsky did. Uh, for my prop. I am going with both teams to score at minus 125. So Spurs have scored in every game this year, and Fulham, the only time they were held scoreless this year was uh, by the Wolves' usual voodoo. The Spurs are still getting lots of goals up front. Harry Kane is the only thing giving you a pulse in the five-pint. We keep talking about uh, Kulchevsky and how great he is. And Mitrovic scoring five goals already is preparing to get a $300 million transfer offer in the January window after Obama Yang bangs out at Chelsea. So get ready for that. Uh, I really like both teams' chances to ripple the nets, and I thought I'd have to pay a lot more juice here. So I'm happy to take the minus 125, even though it's not a plus number. Todd, Todd Bully is been something else i would love i mean no offense it would drive you crazy and you know part of me as like an actual nice human would feel bad but if the transfer record fee got broken for mitrovich that would be fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) well when he's got 20 goals in december i mean he's gonna justify it's just him and holland and then everybody else neck and neck yeah Uh, everybody else is just playing for playing for the third I wonder if Mitrovic's parents and agents and family and all that are also going to get 150 million bucks, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, All right. Well, we keep talking about them. Let's just get to them Uh, on any transfer day window. They're one of the most discussed clubs in the world. And that would be Chelsea who are 10th at seven points. And God, is that disgusting coming off the tongue Uh, versus West Ham 14th at four points Saturday at 10 a.m. Chelsea's minus 200 West Ham is plus 550. The draw is plus 340. Chelsea minus half a goal is minus uh, 200. West Ham is plus 155. Chelsea, if you have faith or uh, blind faith or dumb faith or however you want to describe this, uh, to get (laughs) win by two goals or more is plus 130. And West Ham is minus 180 there. Okay, Brett, uh, another question for you. Have we entered a Freaky Friday situation which doubles as my living nightmare and have Chelsea and Manchester United switched bodies. One of my favorites, <laughs> one of my favorite stats to talk about in the second half of the year. Anybody who listened to us last year is handicapping bad teams' performance against top teams, and inevitably it would be something like Norwich losing uh, by at least two to eight of the last nine games in their top six. And every single time when I asked you who the exception was, the answer was Manchester United. United. Every single time. Uh, and that's why they're playing in Car- Europa Karma's right now. a bitch, Kobe. Uh, Toby. Karma's a yeah. bitch. Uh, that's exactly why Manchester United are playing in Europa right now, and Cristiano Ronaldo's throwing shit fits about the Champions League. But five weeks in, Chelsea have now had bad losses to legitimate relegation candidates and leads in Southampton. So sh- right now, Brett, should I be preparing myself for next summer's transfer window when Batshuayi is demanding he would be let go to play Champions League football somewhere else? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. It is God, your club has been weird. They're just it's just weird. I I don't I don't know what to make of it because the talent, you know, we, we can talk about this more probably when we get into future spec. You know, they, they've been overplaying for players, you know, Obama Yang is not the guy that I would spend the money on, etc. 
Um, but there's still talent in the side. And Sterling has been just as good as advertised. We were both pretty excited. Um, you know, we I drove the hype train to you and then you you hopped on. Um, he's been really good. And, he, and he's showing he's still one of the best attackers in the Premier League. Uh, he's been such a huge boost for them. Um, uh, but in the midfield, like there's still pieces there. I, I think Connor Gallagher, the, the red card, the rash fouls is not going to help him in your state. I don't know what he does, what that does for his deity status in your eyes. Um, he looked, he looked very fallible there, no. but you know, he's still talented. It's, it's, a, it's an Easter situation. He's coming back from the dead. He will risen. <laughs> All right. He will rise. Um, you know, Loftus cheek is still a pretty good rotation option. Uh, you know, he's not a guy maybe you want starting every week, but like, he's a great midfield piece. Jorginho does some decent stuff. Conte's injuries are bad. Kovacic's injuries are bad, but like, there's still enough pieces there that this should work better and it's not. And I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, and, and there's this weird kind of thing and, and I'm sure you can elaborate more on this when, you know, we get to your pick, but like there's this weird push and pull now between what are they going to do for their best starting 11? Is it going to be out of a back three? Are they going to transition to a four, three, three, you know, what is the best Chelsea side look like? Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know what to make of all of it. And I think because of that, it's going to make it seem really weird that I'm taking this bet. It's more of an anti West Ham bet, which David Moyes, I apologize. You know, I still respect you, man. Everton forever. Um, but West Ham have been brutally bad. And so we're, we're playing, you know, a, there's a match between a team that I'm not sure about. That's very Jekyll and Hyde. It seems like at the moment um, and a team that is just straight out struggling and West Ham's big issue is and this is the curse of me again, <laughs> is we started talking about Jared Bowen and we talked about the Davies model last year, the model that kind of uh, kind of consolidates all on-pitch value, basically. And Bowen scored really high. We were talking about, is this him taking the leap? You know, he's that age, he's 26. You know, is he about to take a step forward? He has taken a step backward already this year. Um, and that is a huge problem for a team like West Ham. They've spent, you know, on in the transfer market. They brought in a couple of big time attackers um, from Syria and League One. You know, they're they're trying to add talent to the fold, but like Bowen taking a step back really hurts this a club like this. Um, and he's just been not good. And with that, like Thomas Swiecek is basically their non penalty um, XG leader per ninety. That's not where you want to be as West Ham. So with all that, plus one thirty five for Chelsea to win by two. I. I think I have to take it. Uh, maybe I. Uh, maybe this is why your team sucks. I continue to have faith in them. My shit is rubbing off on your club, Toby. I apologize. I'm going to give you yeah. the floor to maybe try to write the karma on the universe. No, you just ruined my week. Um, <laughs> I bet on your team. <laughs> well, after watching Liverpool like be bad for the start of the year and then pull it together and bang nine against uh, a team that was struggling and then get a. Uh, a season turning around win in midweek versus Newcastle. Like I think that's possible for Chelsea. I was also about to take Chelsea plus two goals to turn the narrative around in an unexpected way at the plus one thirty five number. But now that you've done it uh, in, in in sixty seconds, you might have reversed my entire worldview. And that's a, that's a powerful powerful force you have there, pal. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, Chelsea, well. Chelsea has a myriad of problems right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. Like Reese James is the focal point of the whole team. And in so many ways right now, 
which is not great when you're attacking Fulcrum is like a guy who's half the time is playing right center back and he's the mm-hmm. one generating goals for you. Like that's not where you want to be as a football club. So my my prop is going to be Reese James assist at plus 240 because I think they're going to have to get it and I think they're going to get at least two goals in this game. Um, and so I'm just going to go ahead and, and skip to the end there. But that's a big part of their problem is how dependent they are on him for creativity uh, to break down sort of low blocks and to drive at people and, and whip balls in that can uh, can be attacked and can be scored, particularly by Sterling, who's been, as you said, marvelous, particularly since the last time we recorded. I mean, opened his account, followed up uh, followed up with another goal, like was the sparking force and what could have been an even bigger disaster, Alec Gallagher's red card and, and led them to a shorthanded um, victory against Leicester. And that's another piece of this. Like they finished with 10 men in two out of five games. So I'm still not sure we've seen the real team. Uh, but overall, like the, the most important players on the team are all struggling at once. And so if all the most important players on the team are struggling at once, I, and I'm primarily talking about Jorginho, I'm talking about Mount. I'm talking about Havertz. And so then you have to ask, is this just bad luck that these three guys would be out of form at the same time? Is it the opponents figuring out Tuchel's system a little bit and exploiting weak spots and causing these guys to not look like they have historically? Um, is it you know the system itself, like whether it's figured out or not? Is it just kind of run its course and it needs to be freshened up? Uh, I don't know the answer, but I am happy in the transfer window that it's going to unlock Tuchel a little bit to at least try some different stuff, right? Like, Jorginho is simply not a DM. He cannot play as a six. He cannot do it against high-energy teams. He can't do it against low-energy teams. He can't do it against no-energy teams. That is not what he does. Like, you keep pointing out he's a metronome. He's there to set the tempo. He's there to switch plays. He's there to do those things. He's not there to be particularly press resistant. He's not there to be the last man to break the play up um, when somebody else wins on the press and is driving at him. And he's not providing what they need out of him right now, but he's the only guy who could do it. So I'm cautiously optimistic about the transfer window deal today. Like I hadn't heard Zachariah's name whatsoever, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I had been following this uh, very closely and he gets out of terrain, he gets out of Juve, just like Kulishevsky did last year after being underutilized. And can he come in and provide a defensive midfield presence that allows them to play Fafana and Koulibaly at the back, that allows them to give Silva some rest, that allows them to unlock a more natural formation for them, whether it be a 4-3-3, um, uh, a 4-4-2, uh, a 4-2-2-2, a 4-2-3-1, whatever it is, and gives them more opportunity. Because last thing I'll say is I, I know I'm rambling a little bit. Last thing I'll say is like Chelsea was great in the 3-4-3 historically because they were getting so many clean sheets. But they are leaking goals right now because of the play in midfield, because the high-energy teams are just beating them to the ball, both in midfield and in the box. They needed some refreshment. They needed some youth. I think Fafana is going to give them that. I think some uh, I think some other adjustments will, will help in that a- area, especially giving Silva some rest and giving Jorginho some rest. And if they're going to leak goals like this, they can't just have one goal a game. You know what I mean? Like they need a formation that is either super stout in defense so that the one to two goals always holds up or they have to accept they're going to give up a goal and play a style that's going to get them two. So I think they're caught in no man's land right now. I think Mount is really struggling trying to find his place in a front three, uh, in a three, four, three. I think uh, if we can get him to return a little bit to form, have that creativity, 
allow them to find some way to break down these low blocks after they're leaking goals to the press, then we might see a team that returns to the top four team we expect them to be. Yeah, I mean, I think there you hit on a lot of things. There's there's quite a few, like, I wouldn't say improbable, but quite a few things that seemed out of the realm of possibility happened at the same time. So like we Havertz was turning on at the end of last year and it was, it was looked like he was figuring things out and ascending a little bit. Mount was on his way to superstardom for the most part. Right. Uh, Chelsea was lighting the world on fire with the, well, I guess the opposite dousing the flames of the world um, with their ability to shut down games defensively. And like all those things are, are, are kind of going the opposite direction. Uh, Mendy has made some obviously some pretty high profile mistakes in goal. There's been a couple of and eh, shots that maybe probably should have kept out of the net as well on top of that. So there's a lot of things that it's kind of like the Murphy's law kind of things. Like all these things can't continue to go wrong for them. Um, yeah. And I think this is going to be something where maybe, like you said, the transfer window closing, all the speculation of players coming in and out, new faces showing up in the locker room. I, I think this could settle them a little bit. You know, Tuchel is a tinkerer uh, as well. Um, and I think he's been moving back and forth between like two different concepts here with the back three and more of an attacking front footed four, three, three. And he probably needs to pick one and just stick with it until guys can get solidified. Um, and, you know, I think, it's going to be interesting. There, there's pieces there for this Chelsea team to still be fine, still be a top four team, still probably push for third um, and be maybe clear of the pack of third, but it's just, it, it's not coming together. Um, and it's a little, it definitely is concerning. And thankfully they're playing a West Ham team that is also in a deep slide. Um, and I guess to maybe wrap things up to talk Benny more, they are also thankful that they have Raheem Sterling who's plus 135, Toby's an anytime goal scorer. So you can probably guess that's where my money's going to be going. Yeah. Yeah, I, Sterling's been wonderful. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, he really saved us versus Leicester. You don't uh, like a lot of text chains that we get on with, when we're talking about things, but I got you on Sterling convinced that he was going to be awesome for you, and I hope you are enjoying this. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right about that. And another guy that we miss that you love that uh, you always talk about awesome is is Kova. I mean, we got to get Kova yeah. healthy as well. Like he has, he's the missing link between the ball progression of midfield into the attacking third. Because the other big problem we have, sorry, I got to get off Chelsea because we got to wrap this up. The other big problem we have is Georgina. The therapy session, only, Toby. It's therapy. It's a, it's a safe space. I want you to be able to express yourself here. Well, our audience is going to need therapy to forget my rambling. Um, <laughs> But the other problem we have outside uh, of Jorginho uh, not being able to properly protect the the back line is his style of play, just like back passes, sideways passes, switching the ball. When we do win it back, we aren't incisive enough to take advantage. Like we have basically no counterattack right now, and we never are able to catch uh, the other team off guard. And so like Havertz and Mount one of the things they're both excellent at is high energy, pressing the ball, winning it back and things like that. But to what end? Like right now, those guys are running around forever, but whenever it actually has to get to, it falls to somebody's feet and they have to do something creative to take advantage of the numbers. They're, they're flailing except for Reese James. And so like, I don't know. I, I would love to see, I would just love to see some sort of lineup without Jorginho 
for one or two games. Just like give me a rest. See if I'm wrong. Because he obviously is a, a quality player. But all I'm seeing are the flaws right now. And I need to see a lineup without him to see if I'm right or wrong. So hopefully they'll put one out this week. We'll see. I'm not sure. Zachario, uh, Zachariah won't be ready quite yet. But uh, if COVID can play, then I'd love to see him in the mix. Well, I'm going right. to give you one number real quick to end and let you meditate on this as we go into the next match. But your boy Mendy has allowed basically two goals over his post-shot expected goal totals. Um, so one one reason for hope in, in pro-Chelsea bets this week is basically that if you give Chelsea two goals at some point in the goal plotting here, the outlook on their season looks a little bit better. And Mendy typically is an above-average shot stopper. Um, so that should turn around. Um, and that's not even including the one that he basically gave to Brandon Aronson at the goal line. So there's there's been some Mendy-related things behind this as well. Um, and I, again, I think that stuff will correct itself as the season goes on. Uh, but, you know, my spreadsheet sheets are here on the wall and I saw that number um, and my home decor and I had to just point it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess for the audience and for you, we should hope that I'm wrong, that Chelsea doesn't pull a Liverpool and turn it around in this game. They don't win by two. Because I will tell you, if you've heard me talk about United, I am a salty bitch. And wait till you see when I'm a salty bitch by a team that scorned me after spending $270 million in the transfer window. So I promise you, I will turn my guns inward very fast and it'll be fun for the rest of you. A lot of promising positive energy coming out. That's right. Yeah. It's coming out from Texas right now. Let's let's wrap this up with the juggernauts uh, in a game that barely is even worth talking about, but we got to talk about it anyway. Aston Villa 19th at three points. Manchester City second at 13 points. Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Manchester City minus 285. Aston Villa plus 800. The draw is plus 450. Manchester City minus a goal and a half is minus 110. Uh, Aston Villa is minus 125. If you want to push it up to minus two and a half, it's plus 230. We've said so much on this show and other shows about City already. Haaland scored six goals in like 70 minutes with back-to-back hat tricks. That kid is. He's such a monster. Like the way he just bullies people. It's like he's faster than everybody. He's bigger than everybody. He has better instincts than everybody else, and he's always in the right place. Like he is created in a lab like Drago – uh, fighting Rocky <laughs> to be like a striker in the Premier League. It's just unbelievable to watch. And then, like, we always talk about their, like, other attacking talent. Like, Jesus is lighting the world on fire at Arsenal. Sterling's Chelsea's best um, best player. And so they just slide in Alvarez, and he bangs home two goals. Like, yeah. it's just this conveyor belt of productivity that is just really, really, really awesome as a soccer fan to watch. And they didn't even have to play De Bruyne last game, and they didn't miss a beat. They still rolled those fools. So they're they're just terrifying right now. So we're going to talk about them every single game, uh, every single week. Uh, there's no stopping them that I can see. Until I see it, I'm going to keep compete backing them. So let's just take one second, real quick, and talk about Villa instead. Is there any hope for this team? Right? Is there any hope for them? Or are Gerard Lampard and Rogers going to be sharing a drink after their shifts at Sky Sports in about three weeks? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they need to get on a text chain now. Might as well save themselves some time. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was going to do the Toby caveman thing just for this game and just be like, City good, Villa bad, Gerard gone. Um, and, uh, you know, in a way, I I think it's, it's disappointing um, with Villa. You know, I think with Coutinho and Dinier and the ambition that they've been kind of showing in the transfer market, um, they're, they're going backwards and Coutinho in particular, I don't know if something's wrong there, um, but he has just not been very good. Um, it's just a, it's just a 
a bad team right now. They're just bad. And I, I think there's probably a little more talent there than we're seeing. Um, and Gerard is just not unlocking it. You know, it was a huge leap for a manager to come from the Scottish league from Rangers, even though his, his Rangers team were dominating uh, to the premier league, given basically the height of power that the premier league is at right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think Rogers, if we're doing a, who's going first, I think Rogers is a pretty clear favorite favorite, but CVG's seed is, is definitely got to be heating up. Um, which is why I would, I kind of want to just rush through my picks. I, I need to talk about something else with Aston Villa real, real quick here. I need, I need a, I need some space for something, but I, my picks are easily the, the minus uh, 1.5 and minus 105. I think city could win this by three or four goals fairly easily. Uh, so you have a pretty big window as far as like their upper end goal totals. Um, and then also Aston Villa in a era where teams like Arsenal are taking advantage of set pieces finally are going the other way. And they're really bad. They're, they're giving up the third most set piece shots and the fourth most set piece XG. John Stones is in his mid career phase turned into a fucking set piece monster. He's got five, uh, five goals off set pieces in the last year uh, or two years. So he's plus two, 220 for a shot on target. Kind of a little bit of one of my out there bets um, that never hits. So I'm going with that one, but, but before I let you take your picks, can we talk about something in the transfer window that just blew my fucking mind? Sure. Arsenal did three bids for Douglas Suiz. What the <laughs> fuck am I missing? Explain this to me, Toby. Every time I watch him, the phrase aggressively bad comes into my head. Why? Why? <laughs> why, Toby? Oh my god! Yeah, it, it wasn't just it wasn't just three bids, or it's like, hey, we're gonna go from two to two point five to two point eight. I mean, these were real bids. They were in the twenties. Like they really wanted this guy, and it's not like like when I watch Lester right now, I'm like, Madison is just wildly better, and, and uh, Tillemans are just wildly better than their teammates. They are clearly a level yeah. above everybody else in the same jersey on the pitch. I don't watch Aston Villa and be like. Oh, that one guy stands out and Ruiz needs to get out of there because he's playing with guys who don't deserve his talent. Like he looks as bad as the rest of them. And somehow they threw him an extremely expensive lifeline. Thank uh, thank goodness for, you know, gutter fans saying what I feel about Gordon, that they didn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't understand it. It was, it, I, I kept seeing the tweets coming about additional offers being made. And I kept being like, are, are they, are they sure they're talking about Douglas Ruiz? Like, they did not pay for the edit button on Twitter. Is this a different player? What the fuck is happening? But thank yeah. you for giving me that space. Yeah. I needed to ask you that question. It was burning inside me the entire maybe show. They thought maybe they saw D. Louise and they thought they were giving David back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. That's the only explanation. I uh, they, they went back in a time machine and they thought they were getting peak David Louise back. But God, uh, what a what a weird fucking transfer window. And that just that one just got me. Yeah, well, after giving you that space and after hearing you talk about him and the rest of the team, I'm actually changing my pick. I was going to take the same thing as you, but screw that. Screw it. Why am I going to take the minus one and a half when I can take minus two and a half and a way juicier plus 230, way juicier. So give it to me, like plus 230 Manchester City to route these sorry ass Villa team. And in the same regard, because I don't even want to watch like the Villa part of the game. I just want to watch City continue to eat, destroy everything in its path. My prop is going to be Manchester City themselves over two and a half goals, which you get at a plus number, plus 120. So uh, they've hit this number 
four out of five games, with the other one being two on opening day when they were just getting used to each other. They have a fresh De Bruyne, and this number is only going to continue to go up. Like Manchester City over two and a half goals could be like minus 130, minus 140 three weeks from now as they continue to chew up the league. So give it to me while it's still a plus number. I'm really happy with that one. Yeah, I mean, I almost want to take that bet, which means you should not put actual real money on it. So Yeah, well, as long as you don't take the Chelsea with real money, I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> all right, other things that make me happy is the five-pint pickoff where I won the month of August 17 to 9. I've been drinking my beer on uh, behalf of Brett Corbitos this entire show. Uh, my entire paycheck I- is just going to go to your beer fund at this point this year. Well, I'm going to have to give you a raise, apparently, in order to actually pay for it. <laughs> you uh, feel bad for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uncoincidentally, I finished the beer during that Chelsea rant. That's kind of how I feel about my team right now. But let's go ahead and kick off September and another inevitable victory for me with my five picks. First one is Arsenal to win at plus 160 over Manchester United. I do not believe you, Manchester United. Uh, Arsenal and Manchester United over two and a half goals and minus 140. Manchester City that we just talked about, over two and a half goals. Can't believe I'm getting that plus number, so give me a pint at plus 120. Liverpool minus a goal and a half at plus 100. And Spurs and Fulham, both teams to score, minus 125. What are your losing picks this week, Brett? (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm taking the high variance route again, too, with player props. So I'm taking Kuliszewski with two points at plus 200 for the assist. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for him there. Uh, I'm going to back my guy Sterling. It's been a, a Raheem Sterling love fest pod. We got to end it with a uh, one pint on him at plus 135 as an anytime goal scorer. But then I'm going to be sensible, man. City minus 105 against Villa. Winning by a goal and a half. Two pints. Good team. Good thing. Got to get back to my roots and hopefully at least hit fucking something this week. Yeah. All right. Well, I apologize to everybody. Every Chelsea fan, uh, fan's brain in the world gets fried on transfer day because it's just so wild. So if I was a little rambling tonight, that's why. Hit F5 one too many times. So I'll hit refresh on myself. Get it together next week. Stop ranting so much about my team. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you really enjoy the games this week. I do think it's an awesome slate. And we will be back next week with uh, some talk about futures as well as our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Enjoy the weekend, folks. Take care, y'all.